everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. So this is Luke chapter 4, verse 5. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Verse 6. And said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory. For it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. Verse 7. If you then will worship me, it will be all yours. Let that soak in for a second before I move on. Verse 8. And Jesus answered them, It is written, You shall shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. This is my opinion, and I feel strongly about it. This scenario here in Scripture that we all know, if we've been in Bible or in church for some time, we all know this story. We know what's going on here. This few verses is the tension that I live in every day. I live in a tension of, or I live in a position of, there being a battle, a fight, call it what you will, for our worship for the things that are important to us, for the things that should reign in our heart, this is a daily battle that I contend that I'm dealing with. Jesus was in a position here where he was strengthening himself spiritually, praying, fasting, and the enemy found him in that moment, which was a huge mistake for him. This is me every day. Things wanting to draw me away from God, things wanting to take God's place, Things of this world wanting to come in between the position of God in my heart. Because this is a heart position. I'm not saying, and it's, hard, it's false to assume that, you know, we're of a people that are, you know, worshiping or bowing down to the enemy. That's not what it's about. It's a heart position. That we put things in front of God or we are challenged in a way that things are coming before God. Sometimes it's not even our fault. The culture that we live in, there's so many things available. I, I, I said this at the 9 a.m. and it's pretty funny. Um, for the last couple Father's Days, my father-in-law, Bob Johnston, and I, we've had the tradition of going to a Chinese buffet. I don't do it often. Obviously, I'm trying to take care of myself as of recent. But man, when you walk in there, there is everything for you to have. From American food, pizza, stuff, like mozzarella sticks, I'm like, sweet. Nowhere else would I have sushi, Kung Pao chicken and a couple mozzarella sticks. You can't find that anywhere else. So please, please bargain with me that this is, it's from God. I mean, that's kind of how I feel about it. But this is the problem. My flesh and the spiritual aspect of things, this is how it operates daily. It's looking to walk into a buffet, which is the world, and just fill itself up nonstop. The difference between the flesh and I is that that night I had to take like three tums the flesh doesn't, it, there's, it's not affected. It's not affected by greasy foods or whatever the case may be. It just wants. It wants to be filled. And the more that it's filled, the more it wants. So that's, it, it's kind of a tricky thing, this flesh that, that lives within us. Because the more it gets, the better it feels. And the better it feels, the more it wants. And it's just running towards it. This is the danger that we are living in daily. I hope that you have that mindset. If you don't, good morning. This is what it is. And this is the question that I'm challenged to ask myself daily, and I hope that we 
would ask it of ourselves as well. Is there anything of this world that more than drawing us, that's literally ripping us, pulling us away from our God? We need to consider this daily, friends. We need to understand that it's a war for our worship. And guess what? For the enemy, it's getting easier because there's more things to distract with. There's more things for it to be able to have us latch onto. I mean, think about it. I'm going to go through some examples, but there are so many things that can captivate our attention, captivate our heart, our desire, things that we want. I mean, we can just spend half an hour talking through those things. What does this mean for us? And what examples can we provide, Juan? What, what, what are we talking about? Well, let's start with things that are good, are great, that I personally have been challenged with, and I know that all of us do because we live in this world. Let's talk about work. Let's talk about jobs. Let's talk about our career. Things that we have pursued, things that we've worked hard for, that we spend time doing. Um, goodness, I've had the privilege and uh, uh, just the opportunity to have worked in amazing places, have amazing leaders, relationships that I've built through it. It's an amazing thing, the ability to be able to work and have a job. And like, I think it's phenomenal. But let me paint a picture of what happens often to sometimes those that are really focused on some of these things and how could that can transition. So imagine yourself, you find a job, you love what you're doing. You know, you, you work wholeheartedly at it. You're really like loving what you do and it's, and it's phenomenal. It's, you're at the happiest place of your life doing what you're, what you're meant to do or what you feel like you're meant to do. Well then, you know, you get, in, you get into the praise, you get into the reward, you get into uh, being able to enjoy the fruits that it provides. And then all of a sudden, then when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you think of when you go to is, man, I got to get this done for work. I got to, you know, do this. I got to do that. I got to, you know, make sure that I'm good here, that I'm good that. I'm just, and instantly your days are just consumed by it. Time continues to go on, right? And you're working and you're trying to be innovative and you're trying to put your best foot forward and do the best at your job. Well, you know, in the workplace, there's competition, there's different things. This transitions you to say, I need to be the best. I need to work at this and I need to be the one that's the best. There's pride creeping in. Doesn't matter what happens. I need to just be on the top. I need to be the top 5% salesman. I need to be in the top 1% of my company. I need the praise. I need the rewards. Pushing you potentially to doing things that you probably wouldn't to be able to get that. Are you following these steps of when work, job, career become the center of it, the, the most important thing, the, the, what you crave and want, as opposed to an understanding, a, a way of thinking, that God has placed you in that place solely for his work in you as a church. Solely. I mean, the benefits, the rewards, all that, that's just a part of it. That's like nothing. The reward is the ability to be God's light in that place. You know, I graduated uh, from college with actually a business degree. And I had a Bible minor. It was a Christian college, so we all graduated with that. And I love my professors, Christian professors, that they ingrained this verse in our mind, and we had it everywhere, in our classrooms, it was, on the, it was just everywhere, and I loved it, but it, it, it's kept me accountable until now, even though I'm here in the ministry now. The context of it is, you know, something written to the um, church in Colossians, and it was just, just keeping them accountable to how they should be doing things. Everybody has a role, everybody has something that you're having to do back then, they split it, men, women, you know, but now there's, you know, for us, there's so many different things that we do. The point, though, in what you're doing is this. 
whatever you do, work heartily as, a, uh, as for the Lord and not for men, right? Do everything that you're doing for God. Work for God. Know that it's his mission that you're where you need to be. Verse 24, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. This promotion, these, uh, you know, whatever you want to consider as a reward has no comparison. For one that has this mindset, has no comparison to the inheritance of your reward, which is heaven. The sacrifice that Christ gave to come to see souls come to Christ. This is, this is the mindset. This is the mindset that we carry when God comes with us into work, when God comes before us, as opposed to going to work every day and allowing the things of the world to potentially change our heart and our stance. Does this resonate? Thank you. How about money or stuff or material things? You can spend a whole lot of time talking about this stuff. Ooh, baby. I'm just saying, I, you know what, before I started working here at the church, Pastor Chris knows this, people that obviously are with us know this, I've worked in sales my whole life. I was driven by that commission check. Man, I, hey, long hours, whatever, whatever it took, I made it happen. But man, if we don't draw that line, it's almost like you have to draw a line in the sand. And if you get too close, if this becomes the reason that you're doing what you're doing, I failed multiple times with that mindset and that perspective. You see, money, like jobs and career and work and stuff, they're all great. I work my tail off to try and provide for my family the things that I want them to have, education, experiences, uh, memories. Like, these are huge for me, for my family. I didn't have them. So, like, for me, it's like, my, those are my, well, my resources. Like, we, we do what we need to do and we budget and all that stuff. But anything that I can to provide an experience and bond us and give them the best chance to just grow and have and, and understand that our relationship, I will do what it takes. I love being able to do that for my family. But along with the good, there's that fine line that if we cross it, it can be dangerous, right? I think about all these stories of men that started companies or CEOs or that worked for companies, and they were, again, doing great. And I bet the intention in the beginning was the best. But what happened between then and embezzlement? Or what happened between them and, ha and doing things to, to cause others to fall or to stumble? What happened in that gap? It was a love for it. And again, I don't need to convince you, I shouldn't need to convince you on Facebook that Jesus spoke about so many things that were going to be crucial to our success as kingdom, you know, mindset people, as Jesus followers. He spoke to so many things. And going back to reference and when I was in college, I read a couple, you know, books about some authors that were Christians that were in the workplace. Peter Grandich was a great author. He was working in Wall Street, and he has a really cool company right now that basically he just gives financial advice to athletes. Obviously, I'm a sports guy, so I love kind of reading about it. So these young men that aren't, you know, Christians or whatever, he just, he gives them biblical principles on how to handle their money. These young men that probably want to spend $10 million on a house and buy a $300,000 car, they're getting an experience that is biblically driven. And this is what he says. You know, I get my financial guidance from the Bible, right? Money and possessions are second most referred topic in the Bible. And money is mentioned more than 800 times. We know that. Nowhere in Scripture, though, is debt viewed as a positive thing. It's, you know, handling it, caring for it, knowing what it will do to us is important. And Jesus knew that. So in Matthew chapter 6, he's talking to people about, hey, we need to worry less 
about, you know, things that we deem as important, but we need to be focused on what it is that, you know, is important, what it is that we, you know, need to be aware of. And, and verse 24 in Matthew 6, it says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will, he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. This, is, this money here could be anything. But Jesus being Jesus, he knew that it would be an issue for many. Listen, God should not need to fight for the main place in our, in our heart. But there are things that are fighting against us, so we can't help, we can't help it. This is a battle that's happening, a warfare for our worship, a warfare for everything that's important to our heart. But what I love about Jesus is that then he promises. So this is why I love the following verse. For those that will put God first and not serve the things or thing of this world. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about, anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is it not more than food and the body more than clothing? This is, this is his reality. He's like, listen, we don't have to worry about that. I'm taking care of the birds. I'm taking care of everything. You put your faith in me. You focus on serving me. Anxiety, worry, fear. I mean, this consumes everyone. I'm at fault as well. Again, money, a great thing. Stuff, a great thing. Experiences. Gosh, I love my kids, and we're, it's a great transition because it'll be what's next, but it cannot come before God. It can't have a place in my heart that comes before God. So this next <laughs> example, honestly, it's, it's tricky for some. It's tricky for, for people, and I was having a conversation with Erica, my wife, and I'm going to use an example there. But another thing that sometimes we put before God is our spouse, our significant other, our kids, our family. This is a touchy, this is a touchy one. And it is for me. I mean, I'm looking around the room in here. I know everybody that's in here. If you're watching online, I hope to meet you soon. Um, but everybody in here knows me, you know, social media, you know, like, I'm a family man. I love my wife. I love my kids. Like, they're my world. I mean, they are. But you see how I say they're my world? I got to draw a line for myself. Anything that can be in front of or take the place of, it's, it's easy. It's easy. It's easy. For everything, the flesh is easy. I need to be cautious to not give God's place away, even within my own spouse or my kids or my family. Makes me sweat knowing that Erica will watch this later. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It's, it's a real tension. And again, why do I love Christ? Because he even knew the contention that we would have with this even. So he speaks to us. He speaks to us in his word. Speaking about and the, the, contents of, the context of this verse being, again, he's giving parables, talking about you know, anything and everything that would come but want to come before being a disciple, being a carrier of his word, carrying our cross. He's just listening it out and giving it plain like he does. But then he said this, Luke 14, 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Listen, he's not, tell, he's, he's, he's not, he's not telling you not to love. He's telling you to be cautious of your heart in that. Because anything that takes a place of his heart, there's danger there. Verse 33, so therefore anyone, 
of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. That's, that's, this is the bold statement of the things of this world. There's things to be renounced. There's things to be cautious of. There's things that are wonderful, things that we're able to enjoy, fruits of our labor. That still a line needs to be drawn in any of this being something that separates you from God and his place in your heart. So what now? Okay, this is the hard part. So good. Phew. We made it. Now things are, we'll get a, we'll get a, little, bit more, uh, a little bit more fun now after we kind of call out what it is. What now? What is it? What, what, what do we need to, what steps, right? What, what's the concept to get us to a place where we can overcome these things, overcome this daily battle? It's a word that we don't use often, that I've used more this past week than I ever have in my whole life because I've been prepping. But it's a concept that I want us all to focus on, and it's this word, adoration. Adoration is a term that's used highly in the Old Testament. Great examples there. The word that's foundational to our view of God, to our view and desire of God within our hearts. This is, without this, then everything is easily crept in. It's like a back door that's open without this concept of us practicing what this is. What is adoration? A deep love, a respect paid to someone that we revere. Something that, that, that when it talks about deep love, I mean, I, I consider a love that I'm not even sometimes able to give, right? Because I love, I love my spouse, my friend, you know. But this deep love, there's love and respect, so there's a reverence in between. Love, moving to respect, there's a reverence, or sort of, you know, there's, there's just something there in the middle. In the New Testament, or, you know, in Scripture that we read now, Pauline letters and what we know to be the New Testament, this word transitioned into actually a Greek-rooted word, which is proskuneo, to bow before, to revere. The root word of that is to kiss. So basically, in the New Testament, it's used as, like, to bow down and kiss the floor in reverence to someone. It's really interesting that we don't see adoration as much. And it made it may me challenge myself. It's like, well, how can I practice this? What is realistic for me then and being able to practice this? I'm going to give you an example. This is my family. You guys know them that are here. Maybe if you're watching online, you know them. Um, my beautiful, beautiful family. My spouse, my son, JR, my daughter, Esperanza. Baby Lou, which is, she's a little bit older than a year now, which is insane. So I'm getting older. It happens. Um, these guys are a handful. My son, <laughs> I know, I'm saying it with a straight face, but man, it's, it's typically straight when, when we're trying to get them going. Because JR, he's like, there, people have witnessed it. He's like, literally, I want to buy him a t-shirt of the Tasmanian devil, like just the, the hurricane, and he's like, doesn't stop, blah, blah, blah. And then you can't understand what he's saying, so it's like, blah, blah, blah. Like, he's bait, that's like his twin. He, like Halloween, that might be the case for him. And he's, he's rather difficult. You know, I, I've been challenged by him as a man. I've been challenged as a dad. He's the one that, because Essie is so sweet and baby Lou, oh my gosh. But he, he's, a, he's a handful. Um, this woman here, on a day-to-day -day basis, she is with them. She cares for them when they're sick. She loves them. She watches over them. She, I mean, she's on the ball from school to appointments to everything, to what's going on in culture, to what she needs to learn. 
I look over my shoulder. She's teaching one. She's like, she is every day on task, 150%. She gives them 150%. One day, JR was a little sick, so when he's sick, he's, you know, emotional and, like, just struggling and upset. And, like, you tell him one thing, and he's bawling his eyes out. Long day, long day. I was able to stop in to help leave, stop back in. I get back home, and I see the look in her face, and she's, like, spent. She is just exhausted for the day. So I do my best to help, do my best to get in, bedtime showers, like, you know, and I do, I do what I can to <laughs> help alleviate uh, what I think to be a rough, rough day for her. We put them to bed. We put them to bed again because they woke up. We're going to bed early because we're calling it and we're hoping that the next day is better. I'm in bed. You know, we're getting in bed, so I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go to sleep. And so I look over, good night, hon. You know, I'm scrolling through Facebook, whatever, you know. And I look over prior to me looking at her, and I look over to see she's on her phone as well. I look over to see her phone. She's scrolling through their pictures. She's watching videos. She's looking at them when they're little. She has 5,000 photos on her phone, and that's probably why her phone is jacked up, because she won't download them. I always tell her, download them. Put them on a thing. No. She is scrolling through their pictures. When I was talking, because it was actually Kim, we were talking about this. We always sit together. We talk through our sermons. We, like, really want to encourage each other in that way and sharpen ourselves to present because it's important when I get up here and a privilege to do that. She brought it to my attention. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's it. This concept of adoration, this concept that no matter what the circumstances, no matter what's happening around you, no matter what's happening in her world, she has a love for those, a deep love for them that even in her hardest day and being down the hall from them, literally 10 steps, she still, wants to see them. She still is like consumed almost in a way by them. Hence why it was a difficult conversation when I was prepping with her about hating your kids and all that. It's a hard thing. But I took that as, man, what amazing adoration she has for them. What deep love, rooted love, that even if it were me, like I babysat them one time for four hours. I was like, I need a shower. I need a, like, I need to get a massage. Like I was I couldn't even deal. Day after day, hard day after hard day, she has that love. Do we have that love for God? Do we have that level of adoration for our king? That's my question for myself and what I'll post to you as well. The beautiful thing is that we have some amazing examples of this, of this love that is reverent, that is fearless, Stories that you know. This guy, Daniel, I love this guy. I, I'm infatuated by his faithfulness. I love the way that no matter the circumstances happening in his world, he's not going to prevent anything from showing his love and his faithfulness to God. Imagine a politician. Imagine a, a decree. Imagine a law in our culture right now that says, if we see you praying or finding you praying or serving God, you're in for life. Or you're, imagine that. What, I mean, that consumes me with fear. It would. You know what Daniel did when he heard that, when he read that decree? He kicked the door down in his windows and he prayed three times a day. I mean, talk about reverence. Talk about love. Talk about 
an adoration that whatever was to happen to him, he didn't even care about it. My God? No way. And then guess what? He's delivered to a lion's den and saw the glory of God because that's what he saw, to have starving lions in a pit and come out untouched. That was the glory of God that he experienced through his adoration, through his faithfulness, through his reverence that he had for God. This is it. This is it. This is the example. No matter the fear that you might be facing in this circumstance, maybe these lions represent something in your life. Maybe these lions represent something that you're fearful of. Maybe these lions that are wanting to come to attack are something that you're contending with. He, he didn't care where he was going. Pit of lions, pit of hippos. He didn't care. He was going to be faithful to God. As we also should be through our fears. Joseph, in the 9 a.m., I kind of laughed a little bit because I couldn't find a better picture. It's kind of hilarious. So it's okay to laugh. It's okay to chuckle, let loose. It wasn't the best one, but it was the best one that I could find for my purpose. In this world that we're living, temptation is a real thing. This is why we're talking about worshiping God and not worshiping other things. Temptation, the struggles, is a real thing. Joseph, a young strapping man, as I like to call him, actually, my friend Andrew is a, he's on the camera right now. Andrew can be like a, like a Joseph. Strapping young man, tall, good looking, good chin. You know what I mean? He probably, you know what I mean? He probably could have had, I guess, any woman that would have desired him. This is what's crazy about this moment. I don't know about you guys. I'm really bad in the moment to be able to say something or rebuttal in a moment that's like stressful or like there's something going on. I don't know how to respond to it sometimes. In this moment, you know what he said? How could I sin against God? How could I do this great evil? It takes a deep level of love, a deep level of reverence, a deep level of respect and love, like, like what adorates, a deep level of adoration to be able to, in this moment, no pun intended, the heat of a moment, to just be able to speak that out in truth. It didn't make sense in his mind. It, it, there was no way. He could not calculate a way in his mind that he was going to be unfaithful to God in this moment. Through temptation, when there's that deep level of love and adoration for God, he's fleeing. Again, he was in pretty good shape, so he ran like a 4-2 on the 40. I mean, he was gone. What things that we contend with in our temptation, what, what is our response to that? Are we cold to address it? Is our heart numb or has our heart grown cold like Jesus warned when the end times would come that the heart of many was going to grow cold? Is this what's happened or is our heart beat beating for God that we would run in a moment of temptation? I, I imagine Joseph in this time, TikTok or something, something crazy, he just throws his phone in the lake. That's what I envision. I mean, I just, I try and have a good time in my brain. So don't judge me. Deep reverence through temptation. My favorite of all, because we can compare ourselves in this place as well, because of our shortcomings, is David. This is a statue of David that was created. As you can see, I put the chest up. It's hilarious. You, can, you probably understand why. <laughs> um, David, he had so many shortcomings. 
to be known in the Bible as a man after God's own heart and still do the things that he's done, there's something there. Anytime that he, and this is what the Psalms are all about, anytime that he knew that he had messed up, that he knew that he was in trouble, he would run back to God. God, I failed. God, I failed you. God, I, I fell again. I, I didn't honor you, Lord. Running back to God through his shortcomings. I don't know a lot of you, a lot of you guys, but I, I oftentimes feel like sometimes my shortcomings are harder to overcome than to be able to, the, the grace that's bestowed upon me. It's, it's oftentimes difficult. But what I love about David and how he encourages me is that we just run back to God, even though sometimes we seem like, man, I'm really failing. He adored God to the point that in those moments that he had his mishaps, he would come back to God, surrendering to him, acknowledging his faults, and asking him for strength, asking him for deliverance. So many times those words are used in his psalms. These are the examples, friends. I don't have all the answers, but I think I have some practical steps on how we can transition into this mindset, how we can go from understanding the concept of adoration, understanding that there's a battle for your worship. Adore, worship, adoration, and worship, they go hand in hand. There's a battle for it. In this world, people will tell you it's winning. They're winning. It's time now to take some actionable steps on how we can transition our heart, a position of our heart, to adore and practice adoration in this way. Like I said, I don't have all the answers, but James, the half-brother of Jesus, one of my favorite books, one of the books that I literally cling to, try and read often, I would encourage you to do the same. There's tremendous value and wisdom because of the perspective that he gives, and I love his perspective because as he was growing up, he was seeing Jesus as his half-brother. He was seeing him, seeing what he was doing, what was going on, didn't believe him. He was like, you know, my brother's crazy. You know, who, who knows what he said about Jesus? He experienced Jesus coming back up to life, and he he got it. He was like, my goodness, my brother is sent from God, was sent to us. And his book has that amazing perspective. And in chapter 4, he's talking about fighting worldliness, fighting the world and trying to overcome what that looks like. And there's amazing, amazing perspective in that. So we're going to go to uh, chapter 4, verse 1, and it says this. What causes quarrels? And what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? The setting of, of, of the temptation of Jesus was this verse here. Understanding there are things that are going to be troublesome and that are going to fight for our heart, fight for the place of God's, uh, uh, fight for God's place in our heart. It's going to try and corrupt and take away. This is what causes this troublesome in our heart. It causes us anxiety. It causes us stress. There are things that we are contending with that are causing that. And more importantly, there are things in our heart that are fighting for God's place. What is it? What's fighting for God's place, friends? This is step one. Identifying what that is. If we don't, then we're going to be consumed by it. It's going to happen. 
regardless, it's going to happen. We need to identify what things are trying to strip God away from us. Enmity is the word that's used. Separation. What is it? What is it? Boldly. Boldly come to the throne and recognize that if there is something, we need him to be able to, to help us to address it. I love And listen, there are so many things that are, are, you know, good and beneficial for us to continue to try and, and grow in and remove things from. But I love this, I love this quote, and this, is, and this is funny, guilty pleasure. I love, like, martial arts movies and stuff. Probably no one knew this about me. That's why I called it out, a guilty pleasure. They're hilarious, one, but two, they're fun, entertaining. You know, like, so your old Bruce Lee's, your hip man's, all that. <laughs> he had an amazing quote for this purpose because I think our focus sometimes is, is one-sided. He says this, it is not a daily increase, but a daily decrease. Hack away at the inessentials. I'm oftentimes reading, trying to grow myself, trying to make myself better, be a better, and I'm going to try to fill myself up, fill, 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 fill. But there's no time for evaluating what shouldn't even be there. Like, what's important? What is it that's important for our hearts, for our minds? To push us towards adoring Christ. This is what I would ask you to ask yourselves. As we are fighting against what's fighting for God's place in our hearts. This is what verse 2 says in James 4. You desire what you do not have, so you murder. You covet what you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. He's giving them examples of what these things are driving them to do. The things that they want are driving them to murder. The things that they can't have are causing fights against you. This is the outcome. This is what he's warning about. All those things that are within what we want, what the flesh tells us that we want. This is what it's causing within us. Identify and adjust. Identify what it is and adjust. Verse 4 says this, James 4, verse 4. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. This is a really, really bold statement from James. We identify, we adjust, we understand the repercussion. I don't have to tell you guys. I've had so many conversations with different people about the tensions that we're living in right now. The last thing that this world needs from us is us to be separated from God. It's reverse. Do we think that a legislation, do we think that a law, do we think that an individual is going to change the tensions that we're living through right now? Absolutely not. It's a power of the Holy Spirit through us that's going to allow us to love, to be bold, to pursue Christ in ways that we need to pursue him in order to be able to, to see God change these things. It's only the Holy Spirit. The last thing that this world needs is for the church to experience separation from God. This is the outcome of when these things consume us, that our minds are consumed. This is, this is the outcome. My hope is that this is helpful for you. Here are some, here are some steps, some final practical steps. Verse 7, 
Verse 7 says, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He's plain and simple. He's plain and simple. It's demanding. It requires a lot, but it's pretty simple. When we go out to get ready or when we go out to, you know, go to a party, whatever the case may be, whatever you guys, you young people are doing these days, we get ready, right? We get ourselves ready. We, you know what I mean? Like my boss that's probably watching right now. How's it going, boss? If, if I'd show up here in some sweatpants and a tank top, it, w- it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be good. We take time to prepare ourselves. We take time to look nice, shower, because that's, Lord knows, that's needed with this heat. I consider and I think about how I prepare my day for God to use me. This submit yourself, therefore, to God, view it in the lens of a, as a preparation. We were talking about job, work, money, things before. How about we trade off the anxieties, the things that worry us, the things that we sometimes are consumed with that want to take God's place? How about we replace those in the morning with God? We wake up, take a nice deep breath. Lord, thank you so much for this breath of life. God, thank you for waking me. Thank you for giving me purpose. Thank you for this love that I feel that you have for me. Help me in this moment before I walk out of these doors of my home to carry your word, to carry your love, to be a reflection of you. Help me, God. And then we go about our business. How would that look for us? That's submitting yourself to God, submitting yourself to his will, to what he has for you day to day. And guess what? I know that doing that is the way to resist. We can't resist on our own. The flesh is waiting to get to that Chinese buffet. The flesh is waiting. Mozzarella sticks, sushi, orange chicken. It's waiting to be fed by things. If there's no preparation, if there's no submitting, if there's no, there's no adoration, we're going to walk out and go about our day, our day, and none of it is bad. But when we're contending with the spiritual warfare, my friends, it is necessary. Verse 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. How do we draw near to God? It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed since the church began. We pray. We're in Scripture. And goodness, we surrender some things that are trying to come in before God. Over the last couple weeks, I've been able to fast. We don't talk about it often. That's fine. Sometimes your battle against your flesh needs to be intense. It needs to be, you need to submit it. We are a weak person. We are weak in that way. When the flesh is gaining traction and ground, I mean, sometimes you need to submit it of things that, if it's my phone, throw, I mean, put your phone away for a week. I don't know. This is a true battle in warfare. Whatever it takes, scripture, prayer, spending time drawing near. Why? Because then he's going to draw near to you. We need that. We need that in order to be able to overcome what we're contending with. We need him to draw near to us. We have no choice. Self-control, discipline, all these things are gained as we pursue God. Cleanse your hands. I don't know about you guys, 
my budget for lotion has increased since this COVID thing. Is that fair? Why? Because I'm washing my hands every hour, it seems like. We wash our hands. We're taking care of ourselves. We're doing what we can. We're not putting our hands in our mouth. I bite my nails sometimes. I, well, I'm still doing it. I'm being real. I'm not even going to pretend. I need to wash my hands constantly. Why? Because I fear that I'd get this virus and die. That's the reality. Are we cleaning our hands of things? Like, do we, Is it the same for us spiritually? Do we have that weight? Cleaning our hands of, our, of things that are going to consume us? Do I fear death in this world or do I fear a consumption of being dead spiritually? Cleanse your hands, you sinners, of the things that are trying to separate us from God. And no, I'm not calling anyone a sinner, although it's clear that we all are. What's important is the process of us cleaning and finding God and drawing near prayer, scripture. It calls it out. Scripture tells us the truth. Prayer reveals to us. The Holy Spirit will reveal to us what it is that we need to do to cleanse ourselves. Why is that important? Because if we're not clean and we're contending with sin, then this becomes impossible to keep our hearts pure. Our heart is deceiving. We've, we've spoken from it from the pulpit. We cannot follow it. I do not recommend you follow your heart. But what I do recommend is that you keep it pure and you guard it as a treasure that it is. Because what comes into the heart comes right back out. As we clean our hands and as we put ourselves in a place to rid ourselves of those things that are separating us from God, then we keep our hearts pure, whatever it takes. You've seen those clear masks that people are wearing now. Put that on, whatever it looks like on your heart. Protect it with the word. Protect it with spending time with him. Protecting by filtering what's coming in. I mean, I'm being, I thought, I'm, I think I'm being obvious, but news, social media, what you're reading, be cautious because that's affecting this. At the end of the day, to overcome this battle, this true battle that we have, for our worship, for things coming before God, for things coming in place of God and wanting to take his place. We need to transition our entire concept of how we see God and adore him with our all. Because when you adore something and you have that reverent love, this becomes your daily habit. This becomes what comes out of you. My encouragement to draw near to God like Daniel did. In times of difficulty, in times of fear, in times of not knowing and understanding what might happen, we're living in it right now. Instead of fear, draw close to God like he did. Or he opened his windows up and said, I don't care what's going on. I don't care what the news is saying. I'm not running. I'm not going to Costco and buying all the toilet paper. I'm praying. I'll buy what I need, I guess, but I'm praying. Cleanse your hands like David. Didn't matter what he did. Didn't matter how ashamed he was. You'll come to God. In recognition that he fell short, as we all do. We all fall short of the glory of God. Just the nature, but your reaction, your action afterwards, come to the throne. And just like Joseph, that he had the ability that in a hard circumstance of temptation to say no, 
Why? Because his heart, his heart was pure. Slavery, I mean, think of everything that he went through. And still, at that point, to be faithful to God, his heart had to have been of gold. So pure, so clean of the things of the world. Church, God needs it. This world needs it. Me as a church leader, I need it. I need us all together to adore our God and to fight the things of this world in order to be able to accomplish what it is that he's called. Demanding, yes. Simple, but it's going to require something of us that oftentimes this, this culture and this world doesn't practice, and that's adoring him with our all. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we're just thankful for the day and thankful for the opportunity to uh, just be here, Lord, and present your word. And uh, God, more than anything, uh, what we want to see, Lord, is, is you impact this world, impact our communities. Uh, God, we just ask that you would uh, continue to use us as your vessels, Lord, this ministry. God, we just put ourselves before your feet so that we can, again, be vessels of you, Lord. We, we have an understanding of this battle that we're contending with. We have an understanding that there are things that are fighting for our worship. There are things that the enemy may dress as a certain way so that we run to him, Lord. But God, we take a position, a strong position, and that we adore you and serve you and love you above all else. Lord, to seek you, to seek your face in every way that we can. God, help us cleanse our hands to remove and rid ourselves of these things that are coming in between uh, you and us, Lord. And give us the strength and the wisdom to protect our hearts, to keep it pure. We love you, Lord. And more than anything, we want to accomplish your mission for us on this earth. Grant us the ability to do that. Use us, God. We love you. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you all. Glad that you guys came today. If you joined us online, thank you. If you have uh, obviously any questions, you know where to reach us. Have a great Sunday.